listening to the Quarter to Three Games Podcast for mid-early June 2016. My name is Tom Chick, and my game of the week is not Left for Dead 2. My name is Brandon Kikowski-Schnell, and my game of the week is not Warcraft the movie. Which I know that... You didn't see that. No, that's a cheat, but... <laughs> It is kind of a cheat, but you know it relevant, entirely relevant. Are you are you actually? Oh gosh, no, I don't know any. You know what's sad is because I really like the guy that they have playing generic knight lead, uh, Travis Fimmel, because he's in Vikings, which is awesome. But uh, no, gosh, no, I I wouldn't pay money to go see that. I don't even see. Same way, there's an actress named Ruth Nega in it who I really like from uh, uh, a series called Preacher. I don't like the series Preacher. Oh yeah, she plays Tulip. Uh, wow, you know I what that Preacher. is. Yeah, <laughs> I, I read the comic. She was also in, um, oh, she was in something last year that I watched, and I can't remember what it is. She's actually worked a fair bit. I know her from a horror movie way, way back when called Isolation, where her Irish accent is in full bloom. Mm-hmm. Like, you would never guess from Preacher, but she's so completely Irish. Yeah, yeah no, I saw, because there was something on last season that I, I watched her in, and I didn't recognize her as Tulip, but uh, I thought she's great as Tulip. She's very enjoyable. Yeah, so I, and she's in the Warcraft movie, so maybe you should see Ugh, it, Brandon. No. I mean, you would think <laughs> with, the, with, uh, with um, you know, the guy from Vikings, who, I forget the character that he plays in uh, Vikings. Um, I, I feel like I know who Travis Fimmel is. Maybe it just is a weird name, but I feel well, like... Well, Vikings is actually a really good show. Um, I'm not going to watch some goofy show about Vikings. Really, Vikings. It is, is a good actually show. a really good show. You know who else is in it? Is um, oh shoot, I can't remember her name either. She was a kickboxing champ. She was on Gina Carano. Huh? No, no, Gina Carano. No, no, no. This was um, she's blonde. She, Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey. No, no. She was um, she was actually in. Uh, I am totally blanking on names. I'll have to look it up. But um, okay. No, Vikings is actually a really good show. There is a game co- – here's a segue for you. There's a game coming out by a, a little studio did a game called um, Expedition Conquistadors, which was kind of like XCOM, but with conquistadors exploring South America, exploiting the natives, killing Aztecs, that sort of thing. Uh, and their next game is Expeditions Vikings. Oh, okay. So I'm looking forward to that game, and it might put me in the spirit of watching this silly Viking show that you're well, talking Well, it's on about. the History Channel. I have heard that it's good. It's on the History Channel, oh. but it's not about Hitler. Uh, uh, and it's actually it's supposed to, I, when I say historically accurate what I mean is that like the Viking whose name is has completely uh, escaped my mind he was an actual person so if you want to be spoiled for Viking much in the same way that if like the, the TV show Spartacus like if you wanted to be spoiled for how the show Spartacus ended you could look up right. you know read a history book or a wiki, a wiki read, right exactly it's the right. same way with Vikings which I have right. I have avoided religiously for just that reason is the historical character named Hagar? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, because that's the only historical Viking I know of, personally. <laughs> Brandon, let's get off Vikings. Let's talk about more modern stuff that involves gunfire and shooting. Like- you and I have been playing a lot of sh- games that might be construed as shooters, yeah. first person and otherwise, lately. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just go down the list sure. here, because there's a, there, there's a bunch of them worth playing that, that we should talk about. Uh, First off, who would have guessed that Doom would be any good? Not me. And in fact, for the first half, I agree with you. The last half was like looking at a Slayer album cover for eight continuous hours. Uh, now you make that sound like that's a bad thing. I, I guess. <laughs> for me, it was. <laughs> Nothing against Slayer. Uh, I actually, I, got, I sort of lost patience with the, the... So they're kind of in Doom three, I don't know, biomes or environments. Uh, and the first part of the game is this Mars base. And then the second part of the game, which you're making fun of as being like a Slayer album, I, I got more bored of the Mars base than anything Well, else. I think what it was for me was that, you know, the, the whole um, kind of, you know, hellscape, uh, right. you know, the, with the generic kind of heavy metal music playing and blasting in the background. I mean, it just... You have the music on. First of all, really, you don't turn the music off. No, I always listen. The only time I play without any sound is if I'm doing something via remote play because I'm usually doing it while I'm watching TV with uh, with the wife, and so I don't have any any music background, nothing. You actually, when you're playing Doom, all the awesome sound design, you're letting whatever dopey music they put on the game sort of spill over the sound. Design. Well, I mean, what I mean, aside from just demons go yelling at you and the sound of the weapons. That, well, there you go, right there. That, both of the, those things that you said. 
that's Doom in a nutshell. Yeah, but you can, well, so is that horrible heavy metal music. You can't. Actually, fair enough. Fair enough. I, I, there, there are very few games where I'll leave the music. Oh, I always leave the music. Yeah, I can't be bothered. Um, so all right. So you were saying. Uh, so the. So the the back half I felt was very samey, and and I think the front half because each invite you got further and further into Mars, and things got more and more corrupted, uh, and just also just kind of saying and just also um like the um the little flavor text that they would have about, hey, you're level three, you get to see these awesome things now. Um, and just the different aspects of what the actual kind of Mars mining operation was. To me, that was more interesting because once you got to hell, it was basically like, well, here's just another part of hell. And the first part of hell kind of looked like <laughs> the second part of hell. And then when you came back to Mars and you saw kind of like how the demons had taken over and such, um, I just felt like that was more interesting, but the back half I felt was very samey. And now to their credit, I think they kind of knew that like, I'm very much of the opinion. Once you get to the end of the game, I want it like to me, it should go the beginnings of games. The levels should be longer and get progressively kind of shorter as, as as if you're kind of building up a rush to the end, not, not in a rush and that, Oh, I, I wish this would end, but just more like a, you know, you want you want an accelerated pace. pace. You want to kind of right. build that that uh, that tension, that pace for the player. Uh, and obviously, there's moments of you can have to breathe within that. Um, but I, sometimes games just take the opposite approach, and they're like, "Okay, you're on the last level. It's as long as every level beforehand." <laughs> and Doom at least had that kind of sense of mind once it started to get be just hell, 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 hell. You know, the last. I think three or four levels were significantly smaller, even with all the exploring, uh, than the ones that came before it. So at least it, ah, it right, had that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna later on in a brief moment compare Doom to an Akira Kurosawa movie. Okay. Uh, so stand by for that. But first, I want to say one of the reasons that I didn't mind the sameness of Hell, uh, because actually I kind of thought there were two types of levels there. One of which I didn't anticipate. I know you go in, you're at a Mars base, you know you're going to go to hell, and they're going to do their heavy metal cover album stuff. <laughs> what I didn't realize, and what I thought was a, a pleasant surprise, and I, I might even consider this a spoiler. Eh, you know, it's not a spoiler if you've seen screenshots. There are certain levels that I would say aren't hell and aren't Mars bases, but are uh, quake levels, like this weird medieval castle stuff. Yeah. It looks very much yeah. like a quake level yeah. in a next-gen engine. Yeah. And I thought, you know, being dropped into those every now and then, uh, mixed up the scenery for me nicely. No, I, I agree but I will that. agree, Brandon. I, there were there were probably about three times that I thought I was at the end of the game, and I wasn't. <laughs> like I was like, okay, here's the final boss battle. Let's go. Yeah. And uh, no, not the final boss battle. There's still more game yeah. to go. Uh, so it did feel a little drawn out. But here now is how I would compare it to a Kurosawa movie. Uh, I w- I'm not comparing it to a Kurosawa movie, but it made me think of something that I heard about a Kurosawa movie. Um, and it's what sustained this doom over what I thought was a fairly long playing I think I, time. It took me 16 hours, and I, I gave up probably a – I was pretty good about getting collectibles. And I mean I just – I can't resist them, but I, I kind of gave up trying to do all the challenges and all the collectibles about halfway. Once I missed a challenge, I was like, okay, I'm not doing that anymore. But I, I, right, I, right. I, I tried to get as many collectibles as I could. And the same with me is that you get to a certain point and you're upgrading things and you're you're kind of like, well, I just want to see where it's going. And then because I wanted to sort of get to the end and then go back and grind some of the challenges and the weapon upgrades and maybe try a higher difficulty level. Um, so eventually I was just skipping past things to try to get to the final boss. Uh, but where I think it sustains that gameplay length where other shooters wouldn't is it has this very rhythmic structure of. Uh, you're not at a fixed health, and then you have to find health kits, or you're dead, in which case you reload or restart a level or something. It has this very uh, rhythmic looping structure where you're getting health from killing monsters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you kill a monster, and in the fight you lose some health. So you then have to kill a monster to get more health. And then you're using your ammo to kill monsters to get health. And then eventually you run low of a- on ammo. So you're then having to use your chainsaw to cut up a monster to get him to drop a bunch of ammo. So you can use that ammo to get more health. Uh, there's this kind of loop going that from moment to moment uh, gives the game some structure beyond, hey, just shoot at crazy right. things. Uh, and there's a, a, a bit of thought that goes into it in terms of where you're positioned in this ammo, health, chainsaw, gasoline gameplay right. structure. And what that reminded me of, what that made me think of, and I'm going to get 
super highfalutin here, so if you guys have monocles and berets, <laughs> now's the time to put them on. Should I snap? Uh, I, yeah, yeah. Once I yeah, once I finish, it, snap very softly, right? Exactly. And also, Brandon, just grow a little jazz patch here, right under here, under your lip. <laughs> Should I start shooting heroin? <laughs> no, no, no. Don't go that far. No, hold on, hold on. This is this is academic, not okay. Hipster. Sorry. Uh, so there's a there's a Criterion release of Akira Kurosawa's Seven Samurai, mm-hmm. and on it, and I love these kinds of uh, quote unquote directors' commentaries when they're not directors, but they're people who really admire the movie offering a director's commentary. Uh, there's a professor of film who teaches at a university in Virginia named uh, Michael Jeck, J-E-C-K, and uh, on his commentary for Seven Samurai. He, he just loves Japanese film. He's so into Kurosawa, and he's such a nerd about it, too. Uh, when he's doing the Criterion commentary for Seven Samurai, he talks about the genius of the movie. And Seven Samurai is a long movie, mm. but it moves. It's greatly paced. It's got a fantastic pace. He talks about how Kurosawa has this real tension, release, tension, release, tension, release structure that gives it a rhythmic pulse rather than a single sustained rate. Um, and it's not like a drawn-out, slow French movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's tension and release, tension and release. That whole looping structure in Doom re- reminded me of J- Michael Jack's observation about Seven Samurai, which is a long movie. Doom is a long game, yeah. but because it has this tension release, because you're constantly positioning yourself on this gameplay loop, uh, I, I, I felt that, you know, it sustains its gameplay length, which is more than you can say for a lot of games that are 16 hours. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I definitely, I mean... I think that uh, it, it from 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 my attention span anyway, it greatly benefited from kind of when it came out. You know, like if this if this had come out, you know, during the fall. I mean, granted, this has been a pretty good spring and, and, and early summer for games. Um, but if it came out in a more uh, crowded time, I probably would would I either wouldn't have um, played it for as long as I did, or I would have said I wouldn't have played it at all. But it coming out when it did. You know, I was like, yeah, sure, why not? And also, to me, and I know this is, you know, if I'm just kind of playing something, especially something like Doom, where it's not like there's really important story beats, <laughs> you know, like if I can play it while, while, while I'm watching TV, just as kind of something to do, then, you sure. know, my, my um, you know, I, I don't notice the length quite as much. Um, right, right. But but I, now, I I did feel that whole like okay oh, we're not done okay you know <laughs> when I finally did finish it I think it was like a Friday night I stayed up longer than I typically do because I knew I was at the end and I was just like you know what I just kind of want to put this one in the bag uh, and I had originally thought that maybe I would go back and and you know try to get some of the collectibles and stuff but I wasn't sure right. if when you because I mean the nice thing about it is you know in terms of getting collectibles and stuff is you know once you um, once you uh, kind of clear out the monsters, you don't have to worry about um, you don't have to worry about getting attacked as you're scavenging for things. You, you you can go back and you can try to find stuff. The problem is whether or not you've there you'll you will find some parts kind of midway through a level that then block you from ever getting back to the beginning. And I wasn't sure right. if I started up again, like if I picked a level, if all the monsters would repopulate or I would just be able to wander around the abandoned uh, amusement park. And uh, and then, you know, other stuff came out. Overwatch came out and, and Witcher 3 came out. Well, the monsters will repopulate. I mean, it does encourage you to... Uh to replay the levels if you want. Um, yeah. Okay. See, I wasn't sure if it was if it was just a straight replay or if it was a um, uh, like just like explore the cleared out. Yeah. Level. You just yeah, kind of load. Yeah. You just you just kind of warp there. Right. No. When you go back, you replay. You pick a difficulty level. Um, I don't think because you know you fill up those circles to get points to spend on upgrades. I don't. I think you can. That stuff all stays. My understanding is that any collectibles okay. you pick stays. And if you, I think, and I could be wrong, I think if you downloaded the map and you had the um, the upgrade that showed you where everything was, that would stay too. Ah, uh, right, right. So you could get it, yeah. So, but yeah, I was wondering, like, could you theoretically just play the first level over and over and over and over and over again to just grind up uh, the upgrade points and then play the rest of the game? I don't think you can. I think there's a certain point where you exhaust a level of its upgrade points. Yeah, I think uh, so too. Yeah. Um, and I, I was the same way as I thought, because uh, I, I felt in ways it took a lot from, maybe not consciously, but it appealed a lot to what I like about the Ratchet and Clank mm-hmm. games with all the exploration, yeah. with all the challenges, with the the 
you could freely grind if you want to, and that's not not a bad thing. Uh, so I kind of thought I would finish and then go back on New Game Plus of some sort on a higher difficulty level and do all the challenges. Um, but like you, I moved on because there was a lot of other stuff yeah. uh, competing for my attention. Uh, real quick, did you fiddle with multiplayer at no. all? In Gosh, no. Yeah. Absolutely not. Uh, what about... Uh, now you I mean, were me the, playing play multiplayer? Like, That's ridiculous. I would never play multiplayer. All right. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> let me make a note to remind you what you've just said right here. Uh, what about... You played on the PS4, right? No, I played on the Xbox. Ew. Gross. Oh, what's wrong uh, with that? Well, I have it. I need to use it. No, put that thing in a closet. What my a waste Overwatch of space. machine. Why, don't, why aren't you playing on those on the PS4? Because my good buddy uh, Mitch plays on the Xbox, and I was like, I'm only going to play Overwatch with him now that uh, Petey doesn't play anymore because he's highfalutin professional now. Uh, so, uh, Brandon, if your good buddy Mitch walked off a cliff, would you follow him? Is he holding on to his copy of Overwatch? Because yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you've mentioned Overwatch a couple of times. I have not so much as... And this, uh, you know, I have no excuses for this. I've just been busy with other things. They've taken a priority. I have not so much as booted up to take a look at Overwatch. Actually, that's not true. I fiddled with the beta a little uh-huh. bit. But since it's been out, I have not so much as dipped a toe into a level. Uh, what am I missing, Brandon Kankowski? What are you missing? I don't know. I... Yeah. Um, it's obviously not a multiplayer-only game because you said it, you would it, never play it. Actually, it is a multiplayer. It is a multiplayer-only objective-based team shooter, which... Why can't I just play with bots, You though? can. You can okay. if you... There's multiple levels of bot training, so if you just wanted to play against bots without any people involved, just to see how the different characters are and see how the maps were, you can set up custom games. You won't get any experience for them, but if you just wanted to figure out the lay of the land, so to speak, you could do that. There's also a training, training mode where you and five other human beings play against bots, which is good for, again playing around, but it teaches you some really horrible, horrible habits. Um, but if you... Do you get XP for that? Can you, you level do, up for that? You do. You get XP for that. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Um, if you want to play it for realsies, uh, you can play Quick Play, uh, which is just, they you know, they have their own kind of matchmaking algorithm. And you do... But then you're playing with random people you've never met. You are playing with random people with you either... Random people that you haven't met. And the problem okay. there... And, okay, one of... The thing that I like the most about the two things I like the most about Overwatch, one is that it's objective based instead of just flat kill based. Thank God. The other thing that I like is that the characters that they have are all so good and each one has definite strengths and weaknesses, uh, both in regards to the job that they are to perform and the other characters that they go up against. So for every character, there's 21 characters. For every character, there is somebody they are really good against and somebody that will just tear them to ribbons, And which is important. Um, the thing that I don't like about it being an objective-based game is that when you play with randoms, um, especially if nobody's using the headset, there's absolutely no way to strategize. Now... That being said, I play with Mitch pretty much every night, and we play with other friends too. And we're sh- we're terrible at strategizing together. <laughs> uh, so we, we and that is one of the things that we need to get better at because there's um, so there's there's three different types of game. One is just a straight um, two two teams rush to a control point and see who gets it, and then rush to another one. The other one is one team is tasked with defending a control point, and the other one is trying to capture it. And then the other one is an escort the payload, where one team is supposed to stay near a, a vehicle and move it along its path, and then the other team is supposed to stop it. Um, so if you are playing de- defense, obviously you don't have to have as much of a strategy because you can kind of use the, the players and then the environment and set up some good defenses. And But when, there's, when you're attacking, you definitely need to have some kind of strategy because, you know, you're going on the offensive and you're taking out kind of entrenched defenses. Um, but yet we haven't really learned how to strategize together. But I was playing one night 
and I plug my headset in like I do every night and I heard this voice go, hello. And I was like, it was like two castaways that like finally reach each other on the radio. <laughs> and I was like, hello. And she goes, oh my God, I've never heard another person on here. And I said, I've never heard another person either. Um, and we played together. She taught me how to use one of the characters. We were call- She was calling stuff out. She was playing a healer. I was playing te- – she was calling stuff out. They're behind us. They're over here. And we won – I think we won every match except for one. And it was just two, just two people, two of six, working – being able to talk to one another and work together was enough teamwork to win pretty much every match. So do you do you find yourself, though – uh, running into, do you ever find yourself running into another team where it's obvious they're coordinating? Oh my gosh, yes, absolutely, okay. absolutely. Um, particularly, like I said, particularly. Uh, I mean, sometimes when you're attacking, you can tell the difference between people who just know, "Hey, this guy builds a turret. I'm going to put my turret somewhere where it's going to spray stuff," or, um, you know, this this guy knows he plays a sniper and he just knows the the sight lines of the map. You can tell the difference between that kind of team and a team that knows, okay, this is the flanking hallway, so here we need to put a certain couple people here. Other people are going to be coming from here. I mean, like, they have – we played this one area, and it was locked down to – it was like Fort Knox in terms of how – I mean, you just could – you could not get in. You couldn't get in. And we we managed to win with 10 seconds left on the clock – only through a just a rare confluence of events where the other thing that's awesome about Overwatch is that every time you die, when you respawn, you can switch heroes. And you should switch yeah, heroes. See, because I know. And, and I, I saw you tweeting about yeah. that because I, I, I can't – when I heard they were, that that was a part of the design, I thought there's no way that's going to work. And I would certainly have a hard time with it because my – I think the, the mindset a lot of people have is this is the character I like. I want to play no. this. That's how MOBAs yeah. work, for instance. No, you, you uh, have – because you have to be able to adjust to what's happening. So here's a perfect example. Right. So we were, there's this huge warehouse. They had turrets set up in the back that automatically tracked. So anybody coming in the front door was going to get lit up. There was a side hallway that you could go through. They had two people there that were murdering anybody who went through that hallway. So the only way that seemed like you could get in is if you figured out a way to get through that front door without getting killed by the turrets and instead of, and then break left because there wasn't an entrance to the left and they felt they had the entrance to the front covered. If you could break left and flank that turret and take it out, you could keep whatever was keeping your team out. You could take that out and your team could push through, which is exactly what happened. If I had been able to talk to the other team, we would have been able to get this done earlier. I was kept picking certain characters that weren't working. So I said, I need a fast assault character. So I switched to soldier 76, who is as closest to a pure line shooter type of character as you're going to get in the game. The good thing about him is he's got a sprint. As I go through the door, one of my other team members whom I couldn't talk to was playing a character called Zarya. Zarya is this female Russian bodybuilder. She's awesome. She has this giant particle cannon, and the thing that Zarya can do is she can put a shield on herself, and she can put a shield on you. And the more damage that either one of those shields take, the more powerful her gun becomes. Hmm? I go through the door. She sees me. She puts a shield on me, which prevents me from getting hurt from the turret that's lighten me up as I walk through the front door. It also at the same time powers up her beam. I break left. The team that's in currently holding the control point, they're not expecting anybody to come from the left because they feel they've got the entrances covered. That my character, not only does he have, he's got an assault rifle, rocket launcher, he also has his own healing field, so he doesn't need to be healed by anybody else. So I can creep up, I take some shots at the turret, the turret hits me a little bit, I run back, I pop my biotic field, I move forward, I kill the turret, I kill the guy fixing the turret, and that was enough to, for the rest of the team to be able to swarm the control point, and we won. And it was only that combination of switching and one team member seeing what the other team member was doing and using their abilities to, to, to work together that allowed that stuff to happen. Now, obviously, the rest of the team, they had to come through and they had to mop up everybody that was in there. I'm not saying that I won the game or anything, but it's that type of if I hadn't said, OK, well, I'm not going to I'm just going to keep playing the same character. Or if the other person had said, let me hadn't switched to Zarya or didn't recognize, oh, this guy's going through. Let me throw a shield on him. Then we wouldn't have won. 
And it's that type of communication that's really hard to do if you can't talk to the other person, but it's so important to be able to win. Brandon, I think you are dangerously on the verge of writing Overwatch fanfic. I am so in love with this game. I spend I spend more time, and this is not an exaggeration, I spend more time in, in the day um, reading Overwatch strategy guides and watching um, Overwatch strategy videos than I do playing Overwatch. And it's just because there are so many little nuances to how all of the different characters skills work and all that stuff that it and and they're so bright and they're colorful it's kind of like like people have said like if if you know blizzard and pixar kind of got together you know just in terms of the the character design and just the the bright colors and uh it's just oh i love it i love it okay now now here you you went from really really making me want to play to actually kind of discouraging me because what you're describing to me brandon sounds very much like a steep learning it's not it's not well, wait, you just, you just said you spend so much time reading strategy guides and trying to figure out the nuance, and you just described to me a situation which involves being fairly high up a learning curve. Uh, your enthusiasm is infectious, but you're making me think, you know what, if I jump in at this point, I'm going to be no. completely lost. I'm going to be just Soldier 76 running into a turret for all of the 20-minute Well, I, think, I mean, there definitely is – I mean, here's the thing. The game definitely encourages you – to work with your team member. You don't, at the end of the game, you are never going to see stats that show how many kills you got. I mean, how many kills. Well, really? Well, Come on. Seriously? You'll see your own, you will see your own stats and you get medals right. for those, for your performance relative to other games. But you're never going to see an end of game screen that shows that, you know, whatever. You don't see who in the game got the most nope, kills? Nope, because that doesn't matter. Oh my God, that is that awesome. I mean, that is, that is a, that is a seriously awesome right. psychological uh, Here, adjustment. Here's what there. you That's see fantastic. at the end of the game. You see something called play of the game, which unfortunately is weighted more towards team kills. And then you'll see four cards, and those cards represent players from either team that did well. And you have a chance of voting for somebody on to get an epic, which is just a, like, a pat on the back. There's nothing more to it. You will not see your performance relative to anybody else's. The only wow. thing that matters in Overwatch is winning. And in terms of what you get, how you level up, and how you progress, there is such a small, if not non-existent, difference between winning and losing that it doesn't matter. What matters is, like, I can't tell you how many games we have played where I have gotten no, and I know I didn't get anywhere near as many kills as other people I've played with because, of, you know, obviously the people I'm playing with that are on voice chat, we go, oh, how did you do? I know I got nowhere near, but I know, hey, if I block, if I, this game is all about progress. It's about denying position, denying progress. So if you make a play that either takes somebody out or knocks somebody off the objective and you deny progress and you eat up the clock, how many kills you got simply doesn't matter. It's all about, it's winning. That's what matters. And I can, I mean, I am not a great person. Uh, in first-person shooters. But I can tell you, I have done plenty of plays in this game where I have denied the other team progress, and we won. Would we have won if I wasn't there? Yeah, maybe. Who knows? But I know that I contributed. And this game is all about contributing. And that's why when you have a team and you can tell that the people who are playing, all they're doing is chasing kills, you will lose. Especially if the other team is working together. Because chasing kills, while it has an importance in terms of being able to deny the other team progress, chasing kills, particularly away from the objective, is the surest way to make sure that you lose it. I cannot tell you how many times we're supposed to be holding a control point. I'm playing Reinhardt, who's a tank character. He has a giant energy shield. I can put up the shield. People can get behind me. They can shoot through it. They will take no damage. I'm I'm the only but I'm slow and I have a hammer which means I can't do anything from range. I'm the only one in the control point. Why am I the only one in the control point? Now obviously, you know, the best defense is a good offense. There's certainly something to be gained for certain characters to kind of venture forward and harass the team a little and kind of stop their progress. But if they all push to the point, I'm done. Whereas if there's people behind me who can make use of my shield or we're all supporting one another, we're not going to lose the point. And you can tell the players that are playing trying to just get kills compared to the ones that are trying to work together. And when teams work together, even if it's just two or three members of the team, invariably those teams win. 
Now, let me ask you about this, uh, the, the experience you get for wins or losses. So there is a kind of a ranking progression here. Uh, that obviously doesn't unlock any abilities or, or inventory. That's strictly cosmetic stuff, Correct. right? Correct. You get a loot box with every level. You can also buy loot boxes if that's your thing. And then um, you will get in a loot box, let's say you can get uh, voice lines, so things that your character says when you hit the speak button on the like e- a taunt, wheel. Like a taunt. Not necessarily. Right, right. It could just be a thing they say. Um, victory poses, so the pose that your character has when it shows at the end of the team, end of the game, the team that won. Sprays, which are little like tags that you can spray paint on the wall. Um, introductory animations. Um, in skins. I guess I was in thinking skins. Skin, okay, because that's what it's not like. Like in Plants vs Zombies: Garden Warfare Two, you're constantly like putting sunglasses and a yeah, hat you, and a goofy coat. Like everybody looks super gaudy and colorful, and it just is ugly and like it it it. it it pollutes the aesthetic with a lot of noise in Garden Warfare 2. And if that's what people want to do, that, that's fine. But it sounds like Blizzard is maintaining – like you're not – they're not having everybody dressed up in crazy outfits with, you know, like star-shaped sunglasses and whatnot, No, I right? mean it's, it's, a, it's a skin. So it's – they're, they're themed right. skins. So like I, there's this one character, Junkrat, and he – I don't know how you would describe him. Um, but he, I have one, and he, he kind of has like a scarecrow look to him. Um, you know, there's one for Reaper and he's, he's got the kind of the day of the dead look going on. He's all, you know, he's dressed in white and he's got a sombrero on and, you know, soldier 76 has one where he's a younger guy and he's, he doesn't have his mask on and, um, little things like that, but it's not like individual pieces of kit that you, you know, right. they're not it, paper uh, dolls. It's where you, right. um, Blizzard is maintaining the aesthetic. Like, they're basically in charge of how things look. They're not letting Correct. people... Right, right. I like that. And like then that. if you want to, um, you can buy loot boxes, you know. Now, also, if I'm not mistaken, the ranking affects whether or not you can play... Or the leveling affects whether or not you can play ranked games. Well, they don't have competitive at the moment. I, so I don't know... I Honestly, I've never looked at ranked. They're saying competitive is going to come later in June, which I could care less about. I Wait, what, what does that mean, competitive, like, as opposed to what? Like, like right now, I, I, there may be – as far as I know, there is no ranking. There could be. Oh. Maybe there is. I don't know. There aren't, there aren't different types of multiplayer games you join? Like when you get to a certain level, you don't get to join a certain kind of matchmaking scheme that you can't I don't join until you're – I think so. I think it's just you oh, do okay. quick play. They have like a brawl every week, so they'll pick like uh, two different characters, and you can only be one of those two characters, and then like all your cooldowns or times are reduced, so it's basically just like, like, like for example, um, two of the characters in the game, Hanzo and Genji, they're brothers, so one of the, the brawls was, was the, the, the brothers against each other, so you know, Hanzo's a sniper, uh, Genji is a, uh, he's a ninja, he's a very fast um, but kind of squishy offensive player. So it was like, okay, do you have sniper with the bow and arrow versus, you know, ninja? Um, so you can only be one of them and then you just play the match as usual. Um, well, th- so I'm curious, you, uh, you liked the Borderlands game, yeah. right? Um, what is this doing to whether or not you're playing Gearbox's latest I'm game? I'm not touching you know Gearbox's latest game. I have no interest in it. And why is that? What's up with that? Why not? Because it, there's, there's a, uh, people speak about them in the same breath, Overwatch and Battleborn. They both have a very uh, colorful, non-grim aesthetic. They both are based on team play. Uh, why are you not touching Battleborn? Um, well, I don't know enough about Battleborn. I don't get the feeling that the kind of teamwork aspect is the same. I feel like Battleborn's more MOBA-ish in that yep. if you are a bad player, you're bringing the entire team down. And for me, the, the good thing for Overwatch, I feel like I don't have to be, I don't have to have the the reflexes of a, of a cranked out 13-year-old to be able to be effective. Uh, if I know the right character for the situation, if I know how to play that character, if I know what my job is and how to do it, I feel like I can be effective to helping us win as opposed to just having to be really good at shooting. I'm not, I also wasn't real thrilled with Battleborn, this whole notion of, you know, kind of abilities unlocking as you progressed through the match because. Right. And as you find loot, uh, it will also, as you find loot on an over, uh, an overarching meta level, 
Like, uh, your, your abilities are basically also based on what pieces of loot you find and when you unlock them during the match as well. Yeah, uh, and, and so, and on top of that, I mean, honestly, after the last Borderlands game, the one on the moon. Right, the prequel. Yeah, one, right? um, I that kind of left a bad Borderlands taste in my mouth, to be perfectly honest. The Borderlands, their whole kind of sense of humor and all that stuff, it kind of was over. So I don't really, and I think Randy Pitchford's an asshole. <laughs> uh, and no, nothing against uh, the fine people at, at 2K or uh, whoever, Gearbox, sorry. I'm sure there's there's plenty of great people who work there. Um, I did have the pleasure for your show, actually, of talking to folks from 2K Australia back when they were working with Gearbox on, on the table. Right. And they were super nice people, so nothing against them. I certainly don't want to penalize an entire studio because I think their boss is a twit. But, um, but hey, he's the public face of it, so there you go. Uh, and I do think that Battleborn, so I have spent time with Battleborn, not with Overwatch. Battleborn is, you know, for all its charm that it may have, uh, it's just a MOBA, I feel. I mean, there's a single-player grind in, where you can throw yourself at these these canned missions and just kill a bunch of stuff cooperatively with other people. But very much the gameplay structure is a MOBA for better and worse. Yeah. Uh, and I just don't care for MOBAs. Yeah, and, uh, I, and I, you know, it's funny because I am very, very... I. I, I I am extremely hesitant to ever play any type of multiplayer game simply because I feel like my skill level is just not at a point where I would want other members to have their success dependent upon me. And I I feel like one of the great things about Overwatch is that if you're not really good at shooters or shooting, you can still be really effective and really good. There's there's certain characters that don't require twitchiness, they require thinking, they require you know just kind of knowing what your character could do and what their purpose is. And if you stick in if you stay in your lane, so to speak, not to use a MOBA term because <laughs> there are no lanes, uh but if you kind of stay in your lane, you can do well. Um well, and to be fair to MOBAs though, I think that's true of any good MOBA. Uh is that if you're not good at uh quick, reflexive things. You can, you can play a support class if you're not good at offense. Um, any good MOBA will cater to different play styles. But I think what's, what's important about the distinction with Overwatch is just the whole psychology of how your team wins or doesn't win, yeah. your, your role, uh, how it presents your role in the overall context of things, how it's not just saying, hey, this player did better than you, you did better than that player, right. here's where you are. And now. I mean, my concern um, too, because I, I got into this some with Hearthstone, I started playing Hearthstone, and I feel like with I feel like with MOBAs, you know, kind of the meta around the game, you have to know that just as much as you have to know the mechanics of the game itself. And I honestly... Well, but you're saying that about Overwatch, though. I mean, how's that different from because, Overwatch? Because the difference is, with Overwatch, it's not... Here's what can I make a can I just guess something? Sure. It sounds to me like Overwatch is just a flat out better design. I game, think it is, even though it uses a lot of the trappings of team based gameplay, yeah. and MOBAs have kind of codified a yeah. lot of that. Uh, it's just Blizzard knows what they're doing. They I think know they do. when they uh, yeah when they adopt someone else's gameplay model and it's what they do. They know how to just sheen the hell out yeah. of it and just make it player-friendly and accommodating and welcoming and non-daunting. I, I think the reason uh, there's no meta around Overwatch or the reason it resists that is the simple fact that when you die, you can change your hero. Right, there's simply right. no way, like when you with Hearthstone and you're saying, these, are, these cards right here, this is what I'm bringing in, and it's not going to change. Or when you play a, a MOBA where your your heroes don't change the makeup of your team, the strategy you're going to employ because of the makeup of that team, it, it, it means a certain thing. With Overwatch, all that can change. And the, at, Excellent observation. And the, and the yeah. time yeah. that you have to complete a particular objective is long enough for you to attempt something and go, oh, holy shit, they have four turrets. And then go, okay. If you're talking with people, you can be like, what are we doing? Form up. Wh what turret busters do we have? Let's get in there, smash all the turrets, you know, whatever. And it's that. And I think that, I mean, I don't care anything about esports. 
Um, I, I think it's great if you can make a living doing it. I, I, I'm not saying that I would ever watch it, but I think this game would be fascinating to watch. <laughs> I, mean, I don't believe for a second, by the way, that you're not going to end up watching Overwatch. I think it would be fascinating to watch because just like, uh-huh. you know, when you have like, you know, d- different, you know, professional sports teams, you know, you have you have backup. It's not, not to say that you have backup players in that, you know, this particular wide receiver does anything different than that other wide receiver, but just the ability to change plays on the fly, the, the, that having to react to a strategy, using personnel changes, that type of thing. I think, I think Overwatch would be fascinating to watch as, a, as an eSport because how do you strategize knowing that at any, at any death, the other team can change their players to now nullify your strategy. You just have to have layers upon layers upon layers upon layers. And, I mean, obviously the map composition is going to play a part of that. And then there's going to be some thinking, okay, well, it's this map, and they'll probably do this, which means we're going to counter with this. But, I mean, I think that would be fascinating to watch. I don't even – I can't even begin to think of how you would strategize for something like that. In Team Fortress, when you respawn, you can pick a different character, can't you? I have no idea. Because it occurs to me that that seems like such an obvious and simple tweak. But I'm pretty sure Team Fortress does that as well. It it might be. Um, I I think Team Fortress, though, their classes are... Because because you have to... One thing to remember about Overwatch is that even with... I mean, you've got 21 characters split across four or five different classes. Well, you know, Mercy... She's a support character. She's a straight up healer. She's kind of like the medic in Team Fortress, where she can she'll do a healing beam. It'll attach to a character, or she can buff them, uh, increase their damage output. Well, Symmetra is also a support character. They could not be more different characters if you tried. Symmetra cannot heal you at all. She can put shields on you. She sets up all these little turrets that will slow down and damage enemies when they become get near to them. Her ultimate is she'll drop a teleporter down so that when you die, you can go through a teleporter and be right back where she dropped it instead of having to do the long run back to the objective. Those two are considered supports. In Team Fortress, if you say, I want to be a support, you're always going to be the medic. You're always going to be the medic. And people character, you know, people who have... Def- Engineers are support. What's right, but my point you? is, I mean, you're going to be the engineer saying. or you're right. going to right. be the I medic. So, right. so to right. develop a strategy to counter those two isn't the same way when somebody could say, you've got four different support characters, you've got four different tanks. And the tanks, I mean, every character is completely, in term, even right. within their little designation, are so different from one another that... Um, you know, it, it the, the the switching becomes even more of a of a thing. You just mentioned that a character has an ultimate. What are they called? Ultimates? Yeah, they're called ultimates. So every character. Why is it called an ultimate if you're not progressing during the? the well, match? you are. You're progressing during the match in that. Um, like Battleborn has like almost like a skill tree, and you pick along the way what. Right. This right. is just a straight up. You know, if you stay alive, you do damage. You're 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 filling up a meter. You know, once you get that meter, oh. then you you can launch your superpower. And superpowers can be nullified by other superpowers. They can be nullified by just straight regular moves. You can waste superpowers. So I mean, it's not some someone's charge up faster than others. So you can just be dropping it like you know like anything else. But it's not like leveling up. It's, it's not like leveling up. up a charge no, bar. No. It's like a right. right okay. Yeah. Right, it's, right. it's like if you're playing Diablo and you're waiting for you know your little. All your little right. powers, to see. and they all, all. Every character has different different abilities, and those abilities are all in different cooldown timers. Um, now, now, what is this doing to your destiny habit? Well, de- why would I play destiny now? There's nothing to do. <laughs> Wait, meaning there's nothing you've exhausted everything in I've destiny, done, or there's nothing to do in destiny compared to Overwatch? I've done everything in destiny right now that I would do because I don't play Crucible in Destiny. There's no there's no reason for me to play Crucible in Destiny. So I've done all three raids. Uh I'm not gonna keep doing raids on hard just to get some new shiny gun. Uh, uh I think they've haven't they recently announced new guns? Yeah, but it's not until September. All right. But yeah. Oh, okay, so you'll go back to you'll drop Overwatch in September. You're saying? Well, I wouldn't say. It. I mean, I'll go back to Destiny <laughs> in September. Yeah, absolutely. But um, but right now, there's nothing for me to do in Destiny other that I that I haven't already done like a million times. And and you're locked into the Xbox One for this for Overwatch. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Whatever. Uh, let me uh, ask you then about something else that you tried. I believe on the PS4, and I don't think you stuck with it very long. Uh, <laughs> And I can't say I blame you. How does Homefront the Revolution look on the PS4? Um, 
it looks okay. It's not so much the looks, honestly. It is the fact that kind of com- anytime you go to uh, complete an action, it pauses for like two seconds. Oh, the loading thing. Like, I mean, the saving. Uh, no, it's not it even that. It's not saving. It's like, okay, here's a radio. You want to play the radio? You play the radio, and then once it, it's done playing the radio, it stops for a second or two. Or, oh, here's oh. an inventory cabinet. Okay, you go in the inventory cabinet, you close it, it stops for a second. It's really, I mean, it's not everything. Like, if you get on a motorcycle, it doesn't do it, or if you whatever use your phone it doesn't do it but i mean if you if you interact with like a an object in the invent in 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 the world uh, other than just like you know how you can scavenge or scavenge stuff it it stops and so you have that happening and then you have that constant jarring pulse pounding music that i th- why do you have the music on? There's a slider for that. Turn well, it I off. Should. I, sh- I should have. So, so I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to make the player feel like, oh, my God, this is super important. There's norks everywhere. Uh, which, by the way, if you make up a racist term, it's still racist. Like, <laughs> Why is that racist? First of all, they're North Koreans. They're not, it's not they're, they're slamming them for being Koreans. They're North Koreans. <laughs> it's like it's, it's, that's like saying it's racist – uh, to say something about... I think any time uh, you come up with yeah. a word meant to disparage an entire group of people based off of region or <laughs> ethnicity... A region isn't a race. And it's not, oh my God, seriously, you think Nork is racist? I think the way that they're... I, think, I, I don't think the word Nork is racist. I think the way okay. that they are having the characters in the game use it is meant for the... Is, I think the way they wrote it they are meaning for the characters in the game to use it as a racial slur. What? No, they're occupied. Oh, Brandon Kikowski. I do. I do. Uh, Absolutely. It's a racial slur. Okay. No, no, no. Why? What's the difference? Hold on. What is the racial difference between a North and a South Korean? I have no idea. There isn't one. They're the same race, okay. Brandon right. Kowski. Right. So why then is North, just like which if you were to is call intentionally it. excluding, it's excluding South Koreans. It has nothing to do with race. It has to do with which half yeah, of but Korea they are from. Call it, uh, people used to call like uh, Irish people mix, and I don't think that was meant to be uh, – Right, and it doesn't apply to the Scots or to people who live right, but uh, on the – it was kind of meant to be derogatory. Well, of course, because it's against the Irish. Right. Uh, it's a slur against the Irish. Norks, it's, it's against a race. Norks is a slur against a nation, not an ethnicity. Okay, I'll give you that. But I, I, yeah, and it's, and it's, okay, it's okay to hate nations, Brittany, okay. just so you know. I'll give you that. I, I will concede. <laughs> there is, to be fair, there is so much clumsy storytelling yeah. in uh, but, A Home for the Revolution. But, but it, and I, I, you know, the music is just meant to be like, bang, 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 kind of go, 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 go. And so you're kind of already like, all right, I got it, you know. Uh, and then it's like they, they really want you to do the story stuff, but then they also put all this other stuff out. Like you're walking around and they're like, you should do this warehouse. You should go over here. You should get this thing. You should do this thing. And then you go to open up a cabinet and it's like, Dallas, just wait a second. You know, so it's that kind of pushing and pulling, but not in a good kind of doom way and a bad like what is happening kind of way. Mm, that's on you because I sort of feel like it's typical open world stuff. I, and as you're as you're moving around the open world, it's telling you, hey, here's something you can do here, just so you know. Okay, now you've lit up these activities, just so you know. This story mission is waiting over here, just so you know. By the way, here's a dynamically spawned mission if you want to do it, just so I, you know. It, it's a it's a it's a very active, lively world. I think then I it say. must just be it must be the music. I found the music to be oh, terrible and extremely stressful. If it's didn't turn it off, <laughs> I, I should have. But I also, I mean, okay, I, I'm willing to suspend disbelief if I if I kind of buy into the like. Obviously, I mean, Overwatch is is silly, and Overwatch actually has lore to it, which makes no sense. It's like they were all heroes; they all work together. Now they shoot each other in the face to escort cars. Okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> but just the notion, like, we can't as a country agree whether we should vaccinate our children. Yet we're all going to use the same phones. Come on. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, I don't know if you heard of this little company called Apple, but more or less. No, I yeah. mean, you, all you have to, yeah, and then read an article where somebody reviews an iPhone, and the comments are filled with people who are all Android, uh, you know, diehards. And the same, th- so I, right, 
I could not care less, though. You're talking about the music and the backstory. Neither of those, I think, is material to what makes Homefront the Revolution good or bad. Uh, the, the backstory, and I think this is silly, I, obviously, and I think everybody knows this, what they intended was, hey, the Chinese, which China is definitely a world superpower, they eclipsed the U.S. and they invaded. But because China is yeah. a video game market, they needed to steer clear of that for, for the same reason they did it the reasons. last time. Right, exactly. So they have this silly alternate history, which I think is completely immaterial to what's going on in the game. Um, I couldn't care less if they're norks or chins or whatever weird Chinese slur they would come up with, or uh, Russians from Red Dawn. Like that doesn't matter. But but you're right. It is silly. Their their alternate history, like almost any alternate history, is very silly. Uh, I definitely agree with you. Uh, the music, though, Brandon, turn that yeah. down. But here's the deal. Don't you, you're absolutely the, the PS4 because I started playing on the PS4. The 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 performance on the PS4 is abysmal, and I'm I'm just astonished that it released like yeah. that. Uh, so I I loaded it up because I was enjoying it on the PS4, and I was willing to suffer through the performance issues because I think as an open world game, it gets a lot of stuff right, uh, and it even excels at a few things. Uh, so I went and looked at it on the on the PC. And it doesn't really have any – the engine's a little janky, but it doesn't have the same performance problems. Um, and it's much smoother on the PC. I mean, I, it's, so, it's a game that honestly, if if they came out with a patch that addressed some of the performance issues, I'm not saying I wouldn't give it a try again. Right, right. Uh, and, and, you know, it, I can understand people not getting into it. And I, I certainly, as I've gotten farther into it, I have some issues with it as a longer-term – proposition. I think some of the progression kind of falls apart, and that, that can really scuttle a game. Um, but what it does that I really like, and I don't know that this is easy to appreciate uh, when you're first learning the game and getting into it and dealing with the performance issues, uh, there's a lot of variety here. Uh, among, For instance, there are red zones and yellow zones, and the model for the yellow zones is that the, the North Koreans are occupying a civilian population, so it plays more like an Assassin's Creed where you've got hostile guards running around, and you try to do some stealthy kind of things, and every now and then it breaks out into shooters. Uh, the areas are more populated. There are civilians you don't want to kill, different kinds of challenges. So those are the yellow zones, but then the red zones are straight-up Call of Duty, kill everyone. Yeah. Uh, and as you capture territory in the red zones, it spawns friendly guys, so it creates these dynamic firefights that you can jump into or that you can just run past if you want to. It creates a sense of a front line and of getting behind the enemy lines into more and more hostile territory where the challenge is staying alive to get where you need to get because when you die, it resets you back to the closest uh, friendly area. Um, furthermore, to liberate chunks of terrain, you know, to, to seize an area and turn it from red to blue, I like the variety of different kinds of things you have to do. It's not always just like, hey, climb this tower and then get to the top and press the button, and now it's your territory. Right. It's not that typical Ubisoft thing. Uh, and, and just the way that the different territories feel as you capture them. The, the yellow zones, by the way, they all undergo a, a liberation, where you get a hearts and minds score to a certain point, and then you do a mission, and then it completely converts the yellow zone to one where the friendlies have risen up and driven the North Koreans into their bases, uh, and now it's not an Assassin's Creed. It's like a it's like a compromise between a red zone and a yellow zone. Uh, the Koreans are under siege, mm -hmm. and you can run around the streets freely to try to take the, their different strongholds. Um, so I really like some of the, the, world, the, the, the world building they do uh, as far as how the different levels feel. Um, and it's just a shame that, you know, it's the Crytek engine. Yeah. Uh, and it's just a shame that it's so, that it's so wonky. I, just, I, I don't know why that is, because the Crytek engine is fairly mature in the, in the sense that it's been around. And right. You would think that it would be smoothed out by now. Uh, so, but my main problem with, uh, with it now as I'm getting farther into it is as you unlock these areas, as you're turning terrain from red to blue, one of the reasons you want to do that is to reconquer the map, but the resource you get for it, it's called uh, tech, you spend it to unlock stuff, uh, I find is becoming increasingly uh, useless. Oh, okay. Like, I find early on in the game, you, you have this spread of cool stuff. Like, you unlock a weapon, and then it can become different weapons, and you can upgrade those different weapons, um, and you can buy different kinds of uh, grenades and stuff. 
once you've unlocked a few of those and the stuff that you really want to play with, there's not a lot of incentive to get more stuff. Right. Like, and, and I just feel like if you're going to, if, if your progression system, if the rewards you're giving to the player peter out halfway through the game, you need to rework those rewards. Right. Uh, and so that, that's the main obstacle with me getting much farther with it right now. Um, but uh, I'm, you know, I, I think it, it, it got slammed by a lot of folks who just looked at it early on, decided, ah, the engine is screwy, uh, the story is ridiculous, uh, you know, I, I'm going to go play Overwatch. <laughs> Which, fair <laughs> enough, you know, if folks want to do that, I, I can't blame them. Um, so uh, l- let me then tell you, Brandon, briefly, because you will never play this game because it's for the PC. Uh, you don't do PC games, uh, and this is so mouse-driven, it will never find its way to a console system. How do you feel about mechs? <laughs> I used to love... Like giant robots. I used to love um, uh, Mech Warrior when I played on the PC. Well, you are missing out on a fantastic mech game. Oh, yeah? Uh, it's, it's a little indie game called Brigador. Uh, it's top-down, so it's not first-person... Uh, it's not even this third person over the shoulder, hey, your mech is awesome and you're in an immersive sim. Uh, it, it's top-down, but it does a great job of giving you either a mech or a tank. You can also drive these anti-grav vehicles around. Uh, they all feel very different from each other. Uh, and you just trash the hell out of a world. And you're, you're stomping on little people and you're destroying cars and you're blowing up buildings. Uh, there's different kinds of weapons. Uh, it has a really good risk-reward progression where you play missions to earn money, and you spend that money to unlock new mechs and new weapons and new tools you can put on your mech. Um, super imaginative uh, uh, mech design, which I really like, uh, and a really cool 80s look to it with this kind of neon glow. Fantastic soundtrack, too. The music I played at the head of the podcast, uh, it's got this 80s I was going to say that sounded soundtrack. like, um, I thought, what are, you, what are you, like channeling your inner blood dragon? Very good, yes. It, it, just like Blood Dragon, it, ha, it adopts that same kind of aesthetic uh, Brigador does. Uh, is look how cheesy the 80s were, let's enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Brigador is also something that uh, is keeping me from Overwatch in, in terms of, hey, I'm really enjoying the shooter aspect of this. Uh, so, sorry, Overwatch, you're going to have to wait. That's fine. Um, now, let me ask you about another shooter. Now, you have to be very careful here, Brandon Kukowski, you know, because... I like Overwatch. I haven't so much as booted this up, uh, and I don't know why. Because the day it came out, I went out and bought it. Um, I'm deathly afraid that something's going to get spoiled for me. So Brandon Kukowski Chanel, tell me something about Uncharted 4 that makes me want to put it higher up on my queue, but that won't spoil it for me. Because um, you finished it, yeah, right? You've got I to think it. that it was as satisfying an ending to a series of games as I've played. I, I, would put this, I would put my satisfaction with the ending of this series on par with um, when Ratchet & Clank ended with Crack in Time, not the things they did after it. But if they sure, had just sure. said Crack in Time, that's it. I, I feel like Uncharted, I feel like the way they... They tied the bow on the series was as good as as how you felt at the end of of Kraken Time. Well, you know how to win me over. Okay, fair I enough. know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, what if I had a problem with how how the discrete gameplay bits in Uncharted went from watch a cutscene with a story, do traversal, play a shooter. Mm-hmm. Watch a cutscene in the story, do some traversal stuff, play a shooter. Uh, does Uncharted 4 do anything to break that up, or does it just kind of stick with what has worked it's, in the it past? It sticks with what has worked in the past. I mean, some of the combat encounters, they do, um, they let you be stealthy, stealthier. Yep. Uh, and right. so if you, you know, if you don't mind being patient and you want to try, you you can get through, you know, a fair number of encounters without firing a shot. There are some ones where you, you don't have much of a choice. But, um, you know, so they do give you a few options and, you know, I mean, it's, again, it's, it's not a lot of options. It's either you'd go, you, you go stealthy and if you get found, then you're in a firefight or they don't. I do feel like, um, 
you know, I, I started replaying the Uncharted collection. Uh, and even Uncharted 1, I think, is weighted a lot more towards combat than Uncharted 4 is. Um, Uncharted 4, to me, had the right balance of combat exploration, that type of thing. I, I, I'm not a big fan of combat in the Uncharted games, and I felt like 3 was weighted way too heavily on the combat side. And I think that, for me, this had this had the right mix. Um, Does it start you off with where you pick a difficulty level? Does it do that thing? Uh, yeah, you pick a difficulty level. Uh, what did you play it on? Uh, normal. So would you recommend uh, to get like is it the sort of thing where I should just put it on easy to gl- glide through the combat? And no, get I, think normal, I think normal. I think normal is okay. like I put Uncharted One on easy because I was like, who cares? I don't care. I just right. wanted to, uh, and and I remembered you know the controls, the combat controls being kind of wonky in one, and, and uh, no, I think normal was the right. You know, I feel like you know there were sections that. I kind of made it through in the skin of my teeth. There were some, it was, it was, I didn't find any uh, sections where I felt like I was really banging my head against the wall. Right. All right. Well, Brandon, for this podcast, you've done two things for me, and I don't feel like I returned the favor in kind. You've made me want to play Overwatch and Uncharted 4. <laughs> I'm not sure I was as successful, and I didn't intend to be, selling you on Homefront the Revolution. You're never going to play Brigador anyway because you don't believe in the PC. <laughs> uh, I believe in it. I know they exist. <laughs> <laughs> you use it for your email, to check email, right? It's your email machine. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. No, it's my remote play machine. I play. I, I this this is probably gonna. Uh, I'm, I'm sure somebody out there is probably very pissed off right now. I I play a lot of games on my PC. Uh, they're just PlayStation Four and Xbox One games. Oh, good <laughs> lord! Does, does the Xbox One actually do that? Like my, I have not had an Xbox One hooked up since Sunset Overdrive. Yeah. Uh, but I have here an icon where I can PS4 remote play on my yep. desktop. The Xbox One does that just yep. as easily. In right? fact, the Xbox One did it on a, on, a, on a laptop, or sorry, on a Windows 10 machine, the Xbox One did it first. Ah, okay. Uh, the remote okay. play for, the, for PC slash Mac is, is, a, is a relatively new thing for the PlayStation. Now, how can I get your friend Mitch to get off that silly Xbox One so that you can just come over to the PS4 and I can compare trophies uh with you once I start playing Overwatch. Well, um, you'd have to get rid of his kids because he was, I, I don't, he, I think um, he bought it digitally, which means he could have it on two machines and his son also plays. So that's probably going to get into darker territory than maybe. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, fair enough. Okay. So, uh, it is, so yeah, whatever, whatever, uh, you're going to be playing with Mitch will be on the Xbox one. Fine. Well, we'll that's lose not, you on it's that. just Overwatch. We play we play um, Destiny on the PlayStation Four together, and Uncharted Four. You're not playing that on the Xbox One. I no. know that. No, I mean honestly, half the time the reason I rent games on the Xbox One is because I was like, well, I bought it. I feel like I should use it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like having cable, so you watch crappy movies on exactly. cable. Just because it's like watching Netflix, yeah. so you watch Adam Sandler movies where you feel bad about David Spade. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I've never done anything like that. <laughs> Yeah, that is. They make Netflix-only productions, so you're like, well, I guess I have Netflix. I better watch what they're doing that's specific to Netflix. I should check out this uh, these Chelsea Handler shows. Oh, God, no. Why would you do that? <laughs> oh, <know>, right? <laughs> well, Brandon, uh, I thank you for being here, and I have to make a confession to you. Okay. Part of why I have you here, uh, I'm really bummed that I don't get my jumping the shark fix every other uh, week. I really I, – I miss it now. You guys uh, were such a fixture for me. I was so sorry to see – uh, you guys in the podcast, I completely understand why, though. Um, so for very selfish reasons, uh, I'm happy. It's sort of like I have you here, not because... Not because I'm any really good at this. Just... <laughs> I just want to hear the equivalent of a jumping the shark, you know, every so well, often. I appreciate so, uh, and I appreciate you letting me on here. This is the first time I've actually podcasted uh, since we, we ended. And I was, uh, you know, it's it's been very freeing in a way to not have to worry about, um, you know, what I'm playing. But it sure. also came right. at a time that, you know, typically the summer were kind of lean months, you know, between people going on vacation and then just also not a lot to play. It's like, what are we going to do a show about? Well, it's like, oh, my gosh, there's so much to play now. And I just got uh, the uh, Odin Sphere remake for the PS4. Oh, my God, yes. Why? Oh, I, I haven't started it yet. I just got that. How do, why do you know? Those are like, why do you know about those? That does not... How do you know about Odin Sphere? I have depths unseen. <laughs> uh, I am so psyched about Odin Sphere, and I'm so glad to hear you're yeah, into that. So I, I just got that, and I just got Mirror's Edge in the mail. So I was like, oh my god! Between all these things to play, plus I've been playing, yeah. you know, The Witcher Three expansion. I, I mean, I, I would have 
so many shows worth of stuff to talk about, and I don't have a show to talk about it on. But well, if I have my druthers, you will, and uh, I'll be bugging you to to come I'll, on back. I'm so I'm more than happy. Yeah. Anytime, absolutely. I can't believe you know about Odin. Yeah, yeah I never would have guessed. I love Vanilla Wire. That's like that's obscure in Japanese. Oh, you it's only no more play. obscure than uh, Muramasa yes. or whatever it's called. Oh, that's right. Good point. Fair enough. It's the same, yeah, it's the same studio. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Those are those are your unplumbed depths, I guess, or whatever you were referring to yeah. before. Well, they've Absolutely. been plumbed yeah. now. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, there you go. There's our uh, shooter podcast for for those of you all listening. Uh, that's kind of what's on tap these days. Uh, Brandon, I look forward to having you back soon. In, in the meantime, I really appreciate you being here with well, us. Thank today. you. I, I look forward to coming back. And if anybody plays Overwatch on the Xbox One, it's uh, Mr. Binky, M I S T E R B I N K Y. Uh, look for me online, and we'll we'll um, plug your headset in. We'll strategize. And also, you are on Twitter at uh, Mr. Yeah, Binky. Yeah, if you want to hear yeah. me, I don't know if you want that. That's. Uh, I actually think I don't. I have no idea what your. You have some weird Drax and Scout. Yeah, that's from a Key and Peele sketch. Oh my god! The only Key and Peele. I gave him a chance. I tried. You know, I've tried to watch that. I, I hate what they did to Fargo. Uh, I hate what you know, they, they did just to Fargo. Yeah, they they show up as this random Rosencrantz and Guildenstern at the end of the first season of Fargo, which made no sense. Uh, I, I don't really enjoy their sketches, I but I I, I watch right now. I can't even talk to you. <laughs> did, did you see what they did, did. to Fargo? It made no sense. I, like they came in from a whole different show. Like so much of Fargo makes sense. Oh, don't get me started. Um, I, I, now, who can remain a Key and, P- Key and Peele fan after sitting through Keanu? I haven't seen it. All right, well, you go watch that and then tell me your I like Key Keanu Reeves. He did the voice of the kitten. And, yeah, for all of, like, three lines, that's all you get. The rest of it is watching Key and Peele being very pleased with how funny they think they are. Have you? Two hours of that. Well, 90 minutes. It feels like two hours. Hey, of that. I watched Knock Knock for an hour and a half, and that had that, that had uh, that had uh, Keanu Reeves doing his best Nick Cage impression. So, yeah, but getting his ass kicked by by chips. Yeah. it was Come free on. pizza. The best yeah. line ever. <laughs> <laughs> knock Knock. I I cannot stand Eli Roth, but if I'm going to watch an Eli Roth movie, it will be Knock uh, Knock. Yeah, it's, it's certainly better than Green Inferno. Ugh. Oh my god. Oh <sighs> my god. Yeah. Have you seen Green Room? No, but I want to. Key and Peele, whatever. That's like you know what Key and Peele is like, Brandon Kikowski Schnell. It's like playing through Doom with the music oh, on. Get over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that music in Doom, that was awesome. Boy, I can't get enough of that soundtrack. I'm going to go download it as soon as I finish this podcast. I'm going to put it on my iPod. I'm going to work out to it every day. That Doom soundtrack. Uh, you can make a wait. playlist with that and the uh, the um, uh, home front music. Home front the revolution that just goes great. I, I confuse you know I listen I have them both on my playlist and sometimes I forget which track is from which game. They're just that good. Yeah. 